we're leading into a conversation around uh, the five, what we, what's often is called the fivefold gift to the body of Christ, or we shorten it as APEST, which stands for apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, and teacher. And these are, these are gifts that Christ has given to the body of Christ. And so the passage that we read is where, is where we get that from. And so uh, we're going to lean into a conversation around that today, for the most part. And so I'm just going to give a quick roadmap of where we're going to go. And then hopefully, uh, yeah, we'll just move into that and then have some conversation at the end. And so uh, we're going to first touch on, Glenn opened up with the idea of polycentric leadership last week, right? And um, just for, I'll, I'll go back and I'll, I'll reframe that after, but so just polycentric leadership, like based on the APES, like the five-fold gift as we talked about. So that's apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, and teacher. Um, and they're like, there's some bigger framework type ideas that we're going to explore. And then we're going to zoom into to apostles, right? And so over the next few weeks, uh, each week we're, we're going to explore this idea of polycentric leadership, but we're going to we're going to kind of zoom in each week and look at one of the things like apostle, prophet, evangelist. Yep. Yeah. No problem. What is polycentric? I will define it in about two minutes, <laughs> but I, I'm I'm getting there. Um, yeah, but so we're going to explore that over the last week. And so last week we went out a little bit out of order. Um, Glenn started with prophet, and then so this week we're going to jump into apostle, and so. Um, oh, just a side note, uh, this book right here, some of you guys have a copy of this already, uh, some of you guys do not, um, but The Church's Movement is the, is, is the book by J.R. Woodward and Dan White Jr. They, they run a network called V3, which is a, like a church planning network, and basically it's a manual for how do we cultivate, develop um, communities that flourish in, in like our context, in a sense. And so if it's something that, that seems interesting as we're having this conversation, like you want to explore more in this, um, we, got, we have copies of this available. Um, we'd love to give you a copy if you have one already and you're finding this interesting. Uh, we're also kind of reading through the text together as community as well. And so we're, we, we've done two weeks, or actually we've only really done one week so far. Um, but, it, you know, you can jump in any time along that conversation. We'd love to have you part of that conversation. So just ask Glenn or myself, and we'll get you a copy of the book, uh, our gift to, to you, um, so that we can learn how to be gifts for the whole body of Christ. Yeah. Um, yeah, so just that's a side note. So we're going to jump in right now. So uh, we're going to start with what uh, J.R. and Dan, they call three -dimensional, uh, a three-dimensional reading of Ephesians. Right, and it's that idea that all all of us are called, like all people are called, right? And so all people have ministry, but some people are leaders that equip, um, or what I like to call equippers or facilitators, right? And so there's this notion that 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 all of us, as we read through that passage, and we read about apostles and prophets and evangelists and and shepherds and teachers, um, it can often be like, oh, that's somebody else. But the, the 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 reading that they offer is that we we are all called. It's more like a it's a type. We are all called. And we're all going to find tendencies of one of those things that we're going to resonate with. And we're going to be like, oh, man, I really resonate with the way that apostles work or the way that prophets work. And that but in the same time within the community, there are those that um, maybe they lean in from the equipper side of it. And so they, they help to like the reason they call it the like dream awakener is that notion is that they help to empower and to help to awaken that dream in somebody else. In a sense, you know, you know what I mean? Like the equippers and whatnot. Um, but that means that all of us here are called and all of us have a ministry and that the job of the leadership of this community is to equip 
this community for ministry, to equip you for ministry, right? And to empower you for ministry and to help facilitate ministry within this community. Uh, with that said, that leaders in this community at least, um, our job is not to do ministry for you, nor is our job to do ministry just to you, right? Our job is, as a community, we enter into ministry together. And so, I don't know, like for me at least, that was very different from like the tradition and how I grew up. Because ministry was, you know, you kind of had a catch-all title called a, like pastor, right? And it was kind of like the catch-all title for, for, for leadership in the church. Anybody, you had a pastor of discipleship, a pastor of, you know, evangelism, a pastor of whatever. It was like that catch-all title that if you're a leadership, then you are the pastor. Then you are this person who does ministry for the community in a sense. Like if I, if I want my friend to get saved, I bring him to church so that my pastor can preach to them, you know, kind of idea versus this notion that we ourselves are called and we ourselves are sent, right? And so, but we'll call it, I would say that this, as we continue in this and to explore this idea of polycentric leadership and this, like the five different gifts, uh, I would say that there's another way that we can look at leadership in the community, right? And I would say at least it's, 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 probably, it's a better way, but a harder way to organize leadership in a community in order to equip, empower, and to facilitate together, right? And so last week, Glenn touched on the topic of polycentric leadership. Um, and the word poly just means many. And then, so, so basically, so many-centered leadership, right, would be the, the very literal definition of that, right? And so instead of a single-centered leadership, and so just like as an example, we, our goal in this, in, in this conversation is to say, what would it look like to lead from that five-fold, like that idea of apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, teacher in our community? What does it look like to actually have many people different people who are, who are leading the community versus having that one single kind of senior pastor, senior leader idea um, be the sole voice that kind of guides the community, right? So it's moving away from, it's moving away from the idea of that, that leaders are over community to leaders are, are part and within the community. Uh, it's moving away from the notion of CEO or the boss man um, to leader as equipper, empower, and facilitator. And so we often, like, like I would say, one, like, we often, when we talk about leadership and we talk about community and things like that, we often talk about uh, the need to be, like, the word accountable, right? And so the idea of the questions like, who are you accountable to? Um, and accountability, is, it's a good thing, um, but often, at least like in my experience, it's always been kind of put into a hierarchical relationship. Like, you have a mentor and a mentoree, right? And so it's, it's always one directional. Um, or you have, like, the boss and, you know, you know, you have the boss and you have the employee kind of idea. Um, but I would say that in polycentric leadership, this idea of many, many centered leadership with many people leading in the community, uh, we are called to what we call um, mutual submission as accountability. That all of us, because we are community, because we are family, we are accountable to one another. Right? That we all have a gift, we all have a part to play, and because we all have a part to play, then therefore we all come together in, in mutual submission to see what God is doing in this community. Right? And so, um, there's this one book, this one quote from the book uh, from J.R. and Dan White. It says this, uh, Glenn, you could throw that up. Uh, we must reimagine and reconstruct our leadership scaffolding to undo our over-individualized, our over-professionalized leadership paradigms. Mutual leadership is an effort to share power among trust-soaked, vision-distributed, emotionally mature, Christ-rooted, a Christ-rooted team. For the sake of God's mission in the world, we need to distribute leadership. And so they would say that this begins with a set of recognized equippers and facilitators with certain gifts in the community, 
right? And, and these equippers and facilitators are, are the first leaders in the community, but they, they, it's, it's the whole purpose is to set in motion to empower every, the rest of the body that is gifted in those ways as well. And so that leadership in that way multiplies. It's not something that sits with, hey, we have one or two people who lead this thing. It's always about empowering and expanding and facilitating and empowering others to lean into the gifts that God has given them. Right, and so um, the idea then is that we're not there to just equip, but to also affirm uh, the rest of the body and its giftedness as apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers, right? And so there's like, I, I look at it like from this perspective is, is that for myself and, and, and for Glenn, uh, we've been on a, on a journey of starting communities and sometimes failing at starting communities uh, and doing different things, but always leaning into this idea of what could the church be? And one of the things that, that has not left us is this notion that the church, it, it, it could be more than um, a single leader-focused idea. And, and so we've, we've, we've explored this and we've tried to walk through this. And in reality, it hasn't always been the easiest thing to do because it's not, it, it doesn't seem natural in our day and age, right? Like in our day and age, when you think of like businesses, you think of anything like that, there's, there's a leader usually, right? There's somebody who's at the top. Um, people use the saying like, well, the buck has to stop with somebody. Right? It's like, okay, you can talk about, oh, everybody gets to play, but who's really in charge at the end of the day, right? Like, they use language like that. And, and I remember there was this, me and Glenn were trying to share our vision for what this community could be, and there was a pastor who, um, at, the, at, at the end of it, he's like, that sounds great, but, it, but it's not natural, right? Like, you don't look in society, and you don't have, you don't have two-headed animals, right? You have one single head. Um, and he compared our vision for community to Cerberus, who... Um, anybody not familiar with Greek mythology is basically a three-headed dog that guarded the gates of hell. <laughs> so that was what he compared our ministry to. And it was a little bit disheartening, I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> right? It's like, oh yeah, we would love to see this, this idea of, of leader, like polycentric leadership, of having many, you know, many people. Yeah, yeah, that sounds like hell. That's basically what he said, right? And, um, but I would say that, that as we've gone over the years, it's actually... We've, we've tried to, 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 to like be assimilated into different ways of, of leading, into things that felt more like natural to society. And it's always backfired on us because I think from the very get-go, there's been a vision for polycentric leadership, something that's been sewn into the fabric of the vision that God has given us for this community to say that it's not just about myself leading or somebody else leading, but it's, it's actually about all of us leading in community. And it's hard and it's messy. And, it, and it's one of those things that, Take, I think it's gonna take a lot longer to figure it out because when there's one person in charge, it's like, okay, I point that way, let's all go. But when, you, when this notion of mutuality, this notion of mutual submission says that we're, we're in this together, we're deciding this together, we're figuring out where do we go together. And, and, and in, in, this, in this season of the community, myself and Glenn and, and, and many and other people who are trying to lead within this community, our job is to equip and to empower and to empower and to facilitate um, but not to do the ministry for you, right? Because we're shaping a community that we are on, we are on mission together in that sense. Um, and so, yeah, so there's, there's this one, actually, I'll just, I'm, I'm gonna move a little bit forward because we're running a little bit low on time here. Uh, so, yeah, I, I would say this, is that, like the vision for, for this community is to function less like an organization per se, or, or like, like, like an institution, and to function more like a family, 
right? And in a family, like, we all have different roles to play within a family. Um, like, there's different expectations sometimes, but there's this notion that we are all a part of this thing. We all move this thing together, that we all carry the vision of this thing going forward. And so it's the idea that we, we're, we're not here to complete tasks, but we're here to find relationship. We're here to be in deep community. We're here to be a blessing to the world around us together, right? And so with that, um, I'm gonna, I want to zoom in a little bit now um, and just focus in on the apostle part for, for, for a few minutes. So we're just going to talk through that a little bit, and then uh, we'll go into a, a time where we can talk through some of this stuff, right? And so there's this, there's this quote from a guy named Parker Palmer. Uh, actually, it could be a woman for all I know, actually, but a person named Parker Palmer. Um, it says, before I can tell my life what I want to do with it, it is wise to listen to my life telling me who I am. And it was interesting, like just as we're, we're exploring these different types of, of, of ways of leading, in a sense, ways of being, these gifts that, that Christ has given to the body of Christ, um, I think it's, it's important that we, we take time to listen to, to what, is our, what, what, what is it saying to us? Like, what are we resonating with? How, are we, how is Christ highlighting how we are wired as, as individuals in order to be blessings and gifts to the community. And so, as we read before in Ephesians chapter four, it says, Christ has given five gifts to his body, apostles, the, um, it says like the dream awakeners, prophets, the heart revealers, evangelists, the storytellers, uh, shepherds or pastors, the soul healers, and last but not least, uh, teachers, the light givers. And so last week, um, Glenn, as I said, Glenn explored the idea of prophet, the heart revealer, and if you weren't, uh, one of the things, if you, weren't, if you weren't here for that message, and so some of the stuff is like, oh, man, I missed out on that, we do have a podcast. You can listen to it. Uh, if you go to Fos.Church, under the resources tab, it says podcasts, and you can, you can listen along. Um, but I, I think in, like in, in this series, it's, it, it's a way for it like, just to stay on the same page with everybody. And so I would say this. The main function of, an, of, of apostles is to catalyze and, 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 and to commission other people, right? And so apostles are catalysts who start new works, and they commission, they commission others to join uh, God in the renewal of all things, right? They're pioneers, always moving into new territory. Apostle literally means sent one. And they help to cultivate a thriving environment uh, in, the, in the community and, across, uh, and love crossing boundaries, right? Uh, they are called dream awakeners because they help people to discover and live out their calling. Uh, they help to cultivate a discipleship uh, a discipleship environment in order to see multiplication of disciples, ministries, and churches, and movements. And apostles help people in communities to live out the answer to Jesus's prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I would say apostles are, are the catalysts that get things going. And we see, we see the gift of apostle like in the church. Um, they're, they're the people who are starting new things all the time. They're the, the person that is always calling people into new possibilities. They see the world is full of possibilities. Um, but we also see the gift of apostle, I, I would say, outside the church as well, right? Like, as I said, it's, it's, it's a way, it's something that is, is ingrained in, in, in all of us. And the idea that, like, you, you would see them as, like, entrepreneurs or pioneers of our society. They're the ones who create the new, right? They, they see the possibilities and they push towards the edges and they always want to cultivate more. And so uh, Dan White and, and, and JR, they, they talk about finding your, your, your gift usually through the back door, right? We often notice our, our gifts not because we are mature and, and fully functioning in them, but because we actually mess up a lot. And there's some, there's some like easy patterns to recognize for, this, oh, this kind of person messes up like this a lot. And so 
uh, it's that idea that we find our virtues often through our vices. And so an immature apostle looks like this. An immature apostle tends to be so goal-oriented that they run over people and run people ragged. Too often, immature apostles find their value in achievement, often at the expense of people. Adolescent apostles can lack gentleness and patience and tend to be insensitive because too often the mission comes before people instead of mission being for the people. They lack tolerance, and when, they, and when people don't understand them, when people don't understand them, they can't turn it off, i.e. they can't take a day off. They sometimes have trouble being a part of the group that they're not leading. Um, they can be insensitive to how change and risk feels for others. They may in speech but not in action trust God is working when they're not actually doing the work. Uh, when they experience resistance from others, they tend to push harder rather than stepping back and evaluating and saying what is actually happening here. Um, and they have a hard time staying faithful to an idea. They get itchy and want to move on to the next exciting idea that has crossed their mind. I would say like immature apostles look a lot like ADHD leaders. Right. All right. And so I would ask this question for our community. Like how many of us can relate to some of those statements of the immature apostle? Like, right. Um, I would say like, like going through this, uh, like, and, and a, like most people have like a pri an idea of a primary and a secondary gift. And I would say my primary gift would probably be in the apostle and the secondary gift would be in the, in the prophet. Um, I find myself constantly having to repent of each one of those statements in my life, right? and, and, and as long as I've been doing this, I still find myself allowing immaturity to, to, to come forward all the time. Like even in the, like over this past couple weeks, a couple weeks back, you know what I mean? That moment of pulling back finally and saying, okay, I didn't need to push harder, I actually needed to step back and allow other people in the community to, to, to help give me some perspective that I didn't have, things like that. And so I would say it this way as well, is that sometimes uh, we can be blind to our own gifting. Um, and the immaturity, right? It, it took somebody else calling me out on some things that were actually immature. And in that, it helped me to actually grow. It helped me to, to see things in, in a better perspective. And so I would say sometimes we can be blind to our own gifting and immaturity and our ideal, our ideal selves conceal the, our real selves, right? And so it, it can help, be helpful to have somebody um, or a couple people that you know fairly, that know you fairly well to actually like read through these descriptions with you and kind of uh, and read through the descriptions and the immaturities of each gift and tell you where they think, like, what are your top two, right? Because I feel like, especially like, you know, like if there's people you spend time in community with, they, they know you better than you know yourself sometimes. They can see your gifts that you can't see in yourselves. And so it's just helpful, especially when they're able to help affirm and confirm uh, the things that you already are feeling about how you identify in this, right? And so uh, just really quickly, someone... Um, in the Bible that Glenn shared last week, that I would say that typifies like the apostle gift is Paul. Paul, like Glenn talked about him last week. And one of the things that I love about the Bible is that it doesn't try to gloss over the messy stuff. Um, I would say we often try to take the messy stuff out by ourselves and try to make it nice and, and fit and make it neat. But the Bible itself actually tells a lot of really messy stories, right? And so in Acts 15, um, it tells the story of Paul and Barnabas who were originally sent out together from, from, from a church um, in Antioch, a church, church, a church in uh, Asia Minor, Middle East. Um, and, and they end up parting ways over a disagreement they have. And so, like, one of the people that was traveling with them, was, with Paul and Barnabas, was, was a young man named uh, John Mark. And John Mark, you know, like, when the going got tough, he bailed on Paul and Barnabas. He left them high and dry. 
And so now John Mark, a couple chapters later in the story, he wants to rejoin Paul and Barnabas on mission, right? And Paul wants nothing to do with it. Paul doesn't want John Mark with him at all. And Barnabas, on the other hand, like I would say, if I, were, if I had to give Barnabas a type, he's definitely a shepherd type. Right? And he wants to restore John Mark. He wants to bring him along. He wants to help him be everything that God created him to be. Right? And Paul's like, nah, bro, ain't doing it. And instead of finding a compromise or coming to a place of mutual submission, Paul leaves both John Mark and Barnabas behind. He says, nah, I got this on my own then. And uh, like this, I would say, is Paul as an, as an example of an immature apostle. Right? So here's someone who we look at and we say, man, he's written these different books in the Bible. He's helped shape what Christianity has become. And we have this blaring example of what immaturity looks like even in, in, in someone of that capacity. And so I, I would say this, is that the apostles, they have that, there's that light and dark side to it. They have that ability in order to help us to, to awaken to our dreams. But they also have that ability to, to unfortunately accidentally run over us at the same time. And uh, so, with that being so, just with that being said, I just wanted to give you a snapshot of what apostle looks like. And there's, like the descriptions are written on the paper in front of you. And uh, so there's the, the description plus the immature, like the immature apostle, immature prophet, like that kind of stuff. And, and I, I would I would just just read. I would love for you guys to read over that and and begin to like see yourselves in those different types. And, and as we explore them over the next weeks, I think it'll become clearer as we have these conversations. You know, I identify like this or I identify as this. And it'll be really cool to see how God has gifted our community, what kind of gifts God has given our community. And I, I'm, I'm excited for, for that opportunity. I'm excited for that conversation to happen.